This podcast is rated M for Mature by the Outer National Council of Fellows. Babies, consider yourselves advised. Also, this podcast discusses game characters, plot lines, and design owned by their respective developers and publishers. Please support their games. listeners. This episode is coming to you a little bit late this week. Uh, I've fallen behind for a couple of reasons, one of which was personal and the other, well, someone's audio was a little off this week and actually I realized that it will be off next week as well because we recorded it before everything was edited. And, uh, Namely, I will say you will have to look out for David's audio as he recorded it much too loud somehow. And we don't know how because he didn't increase gain on his microphone or anything else like that. But I'm going to give you the disclaimer now that David's audio is at times painful to listen to. I did my best editing it down to levels that wouldn't hurt your ears, but the effect was rather echoey and grainy. So he sounds like he uh, is talking to us over a walkie-talkie that was set in the hallway of a high school. I hope you can still enjoy, regardless, we've got some good content, including um, some terrible accents, as none of us really possess a fantastic Irish ability, although Chris probably gets closest. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of stuff that's fun this episode. Uh, Also, real quick, I just wanted to point out that we're now posting a Facebook page, And you should be able to find um, posts there letting you know when the latest episodes have been uploaded. And also um, a button for you to click to email us. Um, Our new email is just going to be gamestoriesreloaded at gmail.com. Pretty simple. And uh, in the future, we will ask for your input on some things. So please stay tuned. Also, if you just found the show or you've been listening for a little while and would just like to let us know that you've been enjoying it, the Facebook group would be a perfect place to give us a heads up. We all want to know that we're listened to. (laughs) Um, So, without me taking up any more of your time, I'll let you get to the start of the episode. Thank you. Nay, that makes no sense. Can a man just stab his mic and stab yourself? Wait a minute, what happened in my mic? Oh, you just got, like, much more distant. Ah. I moved, like, an inch back. Does it make that big of a difference? It really did. Oh, God. 
That's not good. Well, then again, I was. What about right now? Is it time to quit right now? That's terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was on the side of it. I wasn't like straight on. Yeah. Because I was eating my food. That'll affect it. Oh God. <laughs> oh no. Well, just make sure you're uh, not eating right food up. when I'm talking. Right. Make sure you're making out with the mic when you do your intro, and then once I figure once I'm done, today we're chat, going to be hearing the beautiful sounds of David stuck in and my beautiful narration with my sexy voice. I hope you're all ready so for a night. My voice is sexy. David sucking is not. <laughs> David sucking is disgusting. <laughs> I don't want my ears to be given a blowjob by David's voice. Is that why we signed up for this? Some ASMR. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do some good ASMR today, guys. Uh, I hope you're ready. Tapping that that that, that uh, ear right there. <laughs> this isn't a hole to be used. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and introduce the show now so we can get started. <sighs> All right. Welcome to another episode of Game Stories Reloaded. We've come back into the West for another six chapters of our epic journey together. Um, we're picking up off of where we left off with our old friend Seth. And, uh, my name, your first toast of the evening, is Jacob Nickel, and I am a lacking connoisseur who finds it best to just buy some Taco Bell for women when they're in need of replenishment. And I'm Chris, your second host from the mountains of Colorado, and I am the pasta man of the group, it would seem. Don't know how this happened, but apparently so. <laughs> Boy. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Davis. I am the man from the Hollywood Hills. Come to give you the great tales of my Mexican journey across the States. <laughs> Beautiful. Nothing to do with cuisine whatsoever. Yeah, That's we not how going. he does. He doesn't like to follow. Um, no, I don't, because you bought Taco Bell. Why would you do that? <laughs> but the ladies, David. The ladies will love you even harder if you get them with the corner taco truck, not from the American established taco industry. Nah, nah, nah. See, what the ladies really want is that homemade meal, mainly of pasta, because that's all I can really make. Mm, I mean, Actually, what the ladies really want in California is in and out Burger. Am I right? You know what, you're not wrong. In-N-Out Burger takes the cake here. <laughs> mm, this is true. This yep. is what a burger is um, all about. <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to launch into our first chapter of this week. Titled, Let the Dead Bury Their Dead. Oh boy.
we left our friend Seth to pursue his treasure in the last episode in an abandoned churchyard in Tumbleweed. And we stride back into this churchyard after shooting at a few pheasants up on the breeze, maybe going and hunting down a bandito, um, smoking a bit, trying to hail some prostitutes at the local saloon. We've had many adventure, I'm sure, since our time last together. And so, walk up to this, another churchyard, another burial site, and Seth yet again exhuming bodies. At the abandoned graveyard, we see Seth interrogating a body in its grave. He's just yelling at it as though it holds secrets close to its chest. Um, as he realizes the body won't voluntarily tell him anything, he takes a whiff of its shoe and says it smells bad, which I'd assume of all the things associated with a dead thing, the shoe would smell sweetest. But uh, apparently... He thinks of them as living beings as well. So, feet smell like shit. <laughs> um, as Marston strides up, Seth bolts. He runs away because he's a little bitch, and he knows Marston's come to collect. And um, Marston's like, I see you. And Seth's like, oh, I was just looking for you, man. How's it been? How's it going? And uh, Marston sniffs that shit from a mile away. And he's like, nah, I'm not so sure that's the way it is, buddy. And Seth's like, well, see you later, bud. <laughs> Marston wants to grab him by his shirt and pull him up close. But Seth is, as he would actually prefer it, many feet away from him and already starting to skitter off again. He has to grab his attention and he's like, hey. You uh, going to see to that treasure? And Seth uh, replies by saying, well, uh, sure. I, yeah, yeah, I guess that is where we're going. Um, sorry, I just got all screwed up because, you know, the treasure does that to me. So uh, once again, excusing his erratic behavior. And uh, they, they start walking towards this mansion on the far side of Tumbleweed. And Seth says, Seth explains, oh yes, I figured out the exact location of this treasure is in the mansion. <laughs> Which leads me to believe that he already knew this, but then took his time interrogating dead bodies in the churchyard before he went to go do this. So, if nothing else, Seth is a fully relatable character because... He likes to procrastinate, just as the rest of us do. Mm. So, if you can't relate with him, you can't relate with anybody in the game, really. Um, we walk through the main street. There's a wooden shop on the side, uh, like a Pueblo-style house. Is that a thing? Is Pueblo a style? Pueblo? Pueblo? What, what's the... Uh, isn't there a name Bridge? for like, that Old West clay type building mm. Weblo houses Weblo? <laughs> Bridge houses um, talking about Weblos? Like the Boy Scouts? Oh man, clay huts How about that? Sure It's. I tried to google this a few times because it's all over the game because it's Old West but it's that like white 
clay-ish style thing. I think it's actually made uh, as like a plaster coating for wooden structures or maybe stone structures. Yeah, I think it's Pueblo houses. Yeah? That'd be my guess. I'm just saying it weird, Pueblo. Yeah, it's not Pueblo. Pueblo. It's Pueblo. (laughs) Pueblo. David, do you have any stuff like that in California? There's stuff like that in Colorado. And I should know it. Yeah, they have like a whole like mountainside of them. Yeah, I would have done it. Yeah. Up north, probably. Which is sad. I should know for certain what they're called, but I do not. (laughs) That's unfortunate. Yeah, doesn't help. Um, anyway. There's some of that here, which if you just heard our deliberations, then maybe you recognize it from what I'm talking about. Old West, white stuff. <laughs> oh, God, not that um, A small note here. Um, after doing a little bit of further researching, I realized that this type of building would really be referred to as adobe. Um, not the editing software suite that is the Adobe Creative Cloud, but rather just the building style that is Adobe. Um, it's really interesting. I would recommend checking it out, although <laughs> your Google search will be difficult because of all of the other things that have been labeled Adobe in time since that construction effort was made. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But, uh, yeah. Back to biz. So, yeah, we're walking through barrels and carts are... Wow. Barrel and carts (laughs) are turned over in the streets. And all of a sudden, men come out of the woodworks, so to speak. Because there are a lot of woodworks around. And uh, there's like three of them, and they start opening fire. Seth screams, ah, they're after my treasure. You my know, it's treasure. almost like a, <laughs> it's almost like a, uh, they're after me lucky charms kind of uh, <laughs> exclamation, only he's this, not Irish. He's abundance. Uh, that's true, he isn't. So what? I said that's true, he isn't Irish, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the next character. That mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so he starts screaming, and, uh, the game kind of babysits me a little bit because <laughs> I should have taken cover immediately against one of these buildings that I had the broadside to protect myself, but I kind of visualized myself as being in a tunnel, which mm-hmm. in an open world game you rarely ever are. But I just, I felt as though I had to head forward where there were a few barrels laying on the ground, and I assured myself I could take cover behind them. I was very wrong, but the game didn't decide to slap my hand and kill me immediately, but rather I just ran all the way up to these three men who were opening up, like, several magazines on me. If they had magazines, which they don't. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess the repeaters... Maybe no, that's not a magazine. You re- reload repeaters, uh, individual bullets. Yeah, yeah. Magazines uh, don't come around until around World War Two, I think. Yeah, maybe World I don't War know. One. I don't know what you call that um, depository then that holds single action. I guess I don't know. Yeah, 
Anyway, they're opening fire. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just kind of make my way up to that cart that one of the three of them is right behind. And so I have one up to my right above me who could easily just shoot down on me. The cover doesn't benefit me at all. Um, and I pop him right in the back with my revolver because he is not looking at me for some reason. And uh, the other two bandits are standing still, so I grab my lasso and try to go around the cart that we're each taking cover <laughs> on one side. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I run up to him, and all of a sudden three more enemies spawn <laughs> right from where he's coming out. So uh, I instantaneously lasso this one man as there's another one standing right next to him. Uh, dousing me with bullets. And uh, at this point in the game, I have died once, and it was a stupider reason than this, so I should have died. I did not. Um, I go ahead and I, I try to hogtie this poor man that I actually lasted to the ground, but I can't figure it out. It's not letting me do it. So I go ahead and switch to my um, rifle, and I continue to just destroy men all around me. Um, and then there's still two that are kind of off in the distance as I decide to try to continue to hogtie this poor victim. Um, and Seth starts just shooting the other two men, and so I realize I'm safe. And this man I have on the ground who I previously lassoed and can't figure out how to hogtie is still a red dot on my radar. So obviously in order to proceed, I'm going to need to kill him. Um, or somehow hogtie him if I can go non-lethal. So Seth wanders over to where I am, and his AI seems pretty confused by the fact that there's one red dot remaining, but he's laying on the ground. And uh, he kind of freaks out. He screams a little bit, kind of wild yelps as though he's attacking something, and he shoots my victim square in the face. And that's how we proceed the next section um <laughs> we're facing the mansion and the mansion has it's it's a great wooden mansion i want to say it was painted white with like black shutters and other such things with a just a naked tree out in front almost like the white tree of gondor it's just very sparse and it's uh majestic looking in the fact that it's so lone in this kind of expensive uh, mansion area and we've got these stone fences that are just you know piles of big stones that are tightly packed that I grab cover along these stone fences as three or four other men start appearing from the mansion one near the tree the other two coming towards the other side of the fence and one up in the mansion windows and they start firing upon us and I whip out my shotgun and I make quick work of the two men on the fence in front of me as Seth takes out the man in the mansion window and again I take out my lasso for I want to show a little bit of pity for some of these treasure hunters. After all, I understand the allure of treasure. And I, I run around this tree which this man is also deftly using to circle me and I finally encounter him. I'm to his back, but he turns on me and empties two shotgun shells into me about five feet away okay. as I'm whirling up my lasso. 
It doesn't affect Marston, though, and he just tosses his lasso on the poor fool. And this time, I get my non-violent option, and I get to hogtie him. Seth encourages me that we need to go inside, so um, I, I go ahead and I grab the victim that I've hogtied. And uh, I go and I walk up to the front door with the victim, and I'm like, alright, I'll take him in with me because I don't want him anywhere out of my sight. I need to keep him safe. And the game plays a cinematic where Marston bashes against the door, and it's not the full, like, out-of-game cinematic. It's purely just a pre-rendered animation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's happened. I have lost my hogtie victim to the ether, for apparently the game hadn't planned for me to be carrying anybody when I'm ramming the door, and so instead of saving the man, I actually deleted him from the game's files. So I felt pretty shitty about that. But the door was blockaded from the inside, so we couldn't get in. We circled around to the back. Uh, Seth had already complained about my poor victim saying that he likes them better dead so I assume he was happy about the events that happened but uh, we get to the cellar door and he's screaming at me hurry before they find it we we open the door and uh, it's actually it's got like the uh, cellar doors from the ground that open kind of diagonally but you don't have to worry about those. Those are already open. Down some steps, there's actually a normal door. <laughs> Go through that bastard. And we enter a big empty cellar with a few rubble piles on the ground that kind of look like crosses. I thought maybe symbolism. Um, not sure why that was the ground texture. And then I kill two bandits. And, David, I employed the kill move that you taught me existed in the game. Yeah. I took a revolver and again risked like five shots <laughs> to the face to try to get close enough to a man and actually just execute him. I think I like held him up and put the revolver up to his uh, chin and blasted him. I think yeah. was basically how that worked. It was pretty brutal. Yeah, pretty And then I went and moved upstairs as this kind of empty stairwell into the lavish man's mansion. Um, the inside of the mansion had kind of this handsome blue wallpaper. Um, it's very decorative, you know, but now we'd kind of think of that as like <laughs> fucking 60s, 70s trash wallpaper. Um, but for them, I'm sure wallpaper was a premium as opposed to just board walls. Um, and I don't mean B-O-R-E-D. I mean wooden boards. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and there's like red fabric sofas with like those buttons in them. There's pianos. There's grandfather clocks. There's a fireplace, a huge stone fireplace in the center of the mansion. Um, and everything's just covered in mold and decay. And the walls are kind of caved in and there's rubble all around. And uh, three more banditos kind of appear in this mansion. And I have to systematically take them out. I come up from behind one guy who's kind of a beast of a man. And execute my second kill shot. Because by now I'm having a lot of fun by knowing this is in fact a mechanic. (laughs) (laughs) Execution! 
<laughs> it plays almost the exact same animation, only I just fucking shove my revolver down this guy's spine from behind oh, and destroy so him. Um, and I see that front door that we tried to come in through. It was barricaded by a few sofas and tables that were shoved up against the door. So that explains that. Um, I head upstairs with the knife because I know by this point we're getting into close quarters. Things are getting dramatic. I needs my Cheshire and I need a little bit of release. I'm still pent up a little bit about losing that man I had hogtied before. I have given up my non-lethal options for the game. Proves it's not a real option. This isn't Hitman. Um, so... I run up there to the second floor where there's these beautiful white railings. And uh, there's a man who comes out and tries to shoot at me from beyond a chandelier. And the chandelier offers me perfect cover. I take my opportunity and I run up to him and I slice him two or three times. And he's down. He's dead. Then I take cover by a doorway as there's a bandit in the next room. And I just watch as my third-person camera affords me a perfect view of this man emptying all six of his bullets into the wall I'm taking cover on. And as the gun smoke drifts up from his pistol and he reaches down to reload, I turn the corner and I knife him. Ah, yes. Things feel great now. You just viciously prison shank him? <laughs> Marston has almost sated his bloodlust. But there's another man inside, standing over what looks to be a simple treasure chest. Perhaps Seth wasn't so crazy after all. And so I, I perform my trick once again <laughs> of hiding behind a wall, knife at the ready, and this man has a repeater this time, it seems, and he takes one shot at the wall. But with his rifle still raised, he thinks better of it, and starts to turn the corner and blasts me a few times in the face, but he's not quick enough for Invincible Marston, for I knife him yet again. <sighs> Finally, I've finished them all. Yes, me and Seth have finally completed our journey together. Seth screams in joy as we approach the the uh, the chest, and he's like, yeah. uh, which I just imitated perfectly and with no shame. Um, <laughs> he's excited because he's going to be rich. And he opens the chest by banging on the lock with the butt of his knife. One, two, three bangs and it's open. And uh, Seth retrieves the treasure from the box. It's a uh, spherical object. One might think it a pearl, but Seth is a brighter man than most and identifies it as a glass eye. That's a mighty fine treasure right there. Oh, yes, and Marston says as such. He believes somebody must have treasured that very much. Seth naturally wails, screams, and cries a little bit because this is his entire life wasted. Marston's like, <laughs> Marston's like, stop your bitching, baby. We got an amazing journey together, so I'm glad. 
uh, <laughs> he's like, all right, um, you got to come help me do this whole thing with Bill Williamson because you promised me. You got some good shit. We got some good shit to do, all right? Um, and then you can go back to all your exhuming business and have fun with the dead again. And Seth is just kind of, he's reached this point where maybe he's been defeated a little bit, you know? He just doesn't care. Yeah, he's he's like, hey, the dead ain't done me any favors. I'll see you at Fort Mercer. And uh, he's like, it's, I think it's time for me to deal with the world of living. Just hate to see him like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Poor but, sun-dried tomato. <laughs> mm-hmm. Finally, slowly withering and rotting. His entire life flashing before him. Yeah. What a waste of sun-dried tomatoes, huh? Mm-hmm. So he he walks away from this mansion. Marston and Seth part ways, and then Marston travels to his next objective. Mm-hmm. What is such a Sad, sad tale for Seth. The tragedy of Seth. The tomato. The the the, the, the light tomato. <laughs> well, the wasted fruit that was thought thought a vegetable once. Ironic. He could save others from death, but not himself. Nah. Dark no. Plague is the life doesn't work here. Today. I suppose. Uh, <laughs> He lived through death, but death didn't live through him. Boom. There we go. Dang. Dang. Damn. That is Drop. the story of Darth, uh, Darth Seth, the sun-dried tomato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was quite sad, but, you know, luckily for our, our protagonist, John Marston, you know, he's unaffected by this, such tragedies. He's simply... Happy that he has another person on board for his mission. So he heads off to Armadillo to recruit another man told to him by Dickens. A man by the name of Irish. And as we enter Armadillo, we go into our next mission titled A Frenchman, a Welshman, and an Irishman. Well, it's, it's quite an interesting mission, I'm not gonna lie. Um, Marston basically walks in and we walk into a interesting scene as uh, we're jumped straight into two gentlemen drowning a third man, begging for his life, asking that he hasn't done anything wrong. Marston just walks in, nearly seeing that they're about to have this man murdered, and he he decides to stop them and says, "Hey, what's going on?" This uh, gingered man then waves his knife at him and is just like, "Hey, boy, this does not concern you, boy. I'll back off." And John doesn't really like the word boyo as he retorts, I don't like when people call me boyo. And then uh, the other man next to him starts to explain that the man they're trying to drown has stolen their horses and stolen their guns and, it, you know, the law's clear and that his life belongs to him. And the poor man drowning begs for his life saying that he hasn't done a, th- a single thing wrong, you know. Unless to John Marston or us, we don't we don't know what this man has done. But you know, he's a man of good morals, so he simply tells them to let the poor man go. 
and the little Englishman raises his knife again, questioning who he thinks he is. And, you know, Marcy just kind of subtly puts his hand on his gun, kind of showing the gentleman he means business, but I think they're, they're, they don't really notice it, or they're just really idiotic. So they I'm just, <laughs> that looks like, like you bought a, you brought a gun to a knife fight, loser. What a fool. <laughs> and then, like, I really like, um, cause the scene's pretty awesome, cause it clearly shows, he's like, alright, time to shoot these bastards. And it simultaneously just easily just transitions straight into gameplay where it's like, alright, time to use your dead eye. And I was like, alright, dead eye. And, you know, I just kind of had fun as I just laid a bunch of X markers in their faces and their hands and, you know, whatever else I felt, you know, the need to, to shoot them. Just to, just, just, to, just to disgrace them, you know? Did you have a revolver out or a rifle? A revolver, because a rifle was awkwardly slow. <laughs> I would not want to use a rifle. <laughs> Still, I was just wondering with how many X's you were putting on if you had ten or six. Six. <laughs> it was head, arm, arm, head, arm, and then I think I shot just straight through his torso. But anyway, upon dispatching these two, you know, Neanderthals that are just quite moronic, you come to a man and say, hey, what's Dickens set me? I assume you're the man who Wes Dickens was talking about, you know, I'd like to think he did, or, you know, hopefully John didn't shoot them, because, you know, I don't think John knew who any of these men were, for all he could have known, he could have just killed the man that, you know, Dickens needed, but, you know, let's go on the hunch, and he's just like, are you, are you the man Irish? And, you know, the guy's just like, oh, thank you for saving my life, you know, these, these idiotic, these degenerates, these Frenchmen, these Welshmen's. You know, he has his little hatred of these men. But John Marston picks him up and says, Are you going to help me, son? And he's just like, Well, of course. He's like, As we, uh, oh, <clears throat> as the man describes, the, the weapon is beautiful. It's government issued. And then, you know, we get to really look at our character here, who we now know is Irish, as John Marston picks him up. Irish, eh, he's kind of a simple man, honestly. You look at him, he's, he's very scraggly, he's hairy, he's got hair all over his face, other than basically his eyes and his nose, a full black beard, grizzly beard, though at the time, he's wet, so, you know, his hair is everywhere and covering him, and, you know, something I didn't really notice, but, like, a nice detail, Rock, oh. <clears throat> Not Rocksteady. Not Rocksteady, <laughs> Rockstar. <laughs> I put it in, is that, um... His shirt actually looks quite, like, damp and wet, considering he was, like, nearly drowned. So, yeah, it's very nice to notice. And, like, even has these little streaks of water that kind of go down as Marston picks him, picks his, ah, picks him up. Yeah, it definitely seems like they used two different models. One for wet Irish and one for dry. Yeah. But, yeah, simple man. He just has a buttoned-up shirt, rolled-up sleeves, full black hair... Harry Beard. You know, he's an outdoors man. Not really like a typical Irish man, I would imagine, but you know. He's Irish. Yeah. Imagine uh, Colin Farrell if he looked feral. <laughs> yeah. Well, I imagine, I don't know why I, I thought of Last of Us. I just thought, like, this is just a really young Harry Joel. <laughs> yeah. It does look, yeah. Similar to that, too. Yeah. 
Well, if I'm picking him up, you know, you guys ride on horses as uh, Irish tends to take you to the location of where this gun was uh, placed. And, you know, as you're riding, Irish will be in some choir. You know, who are you, friend? You know, you came and saved me. I want to know your name. You know, John lets him know. You know, I'm Marston. John Marston. Nice to meet you. And he inquires, hey, who, who are those men? And uh, Irish then begins to talk about these men as he refers to them as the Welshmen and the Frenchmen, and how they were bastards and arses trying to kill them, even though, I guess, when they first came to the country, they came together and they were friends, but I guess, you know, how quickly uh, friendships turn, especially as he retorts that the Welshmen, you can't really trust the Welshmen, as he was taught and raised. And then uh, John Marston just begins to ask him. <laughs> and then, sorry. <laughs> like, the last one don't see uh, I was uh, just thinking about how <laughs> awkward it was, because I also would have said something about uh, him being raised to not trust Welshmen, but it's so awkward to s- repeat that type of... Uh, like racism or culturism. Racism. That's yeah. yeah. the Irish talking about the Welsh. Welsh. Everyone hates each other in the UK. If you're a Scot, yeah. you don't like the English. If you're English, you don't like the Scots or the Irish or the Welsh. Yeah. Honestly, it's a whole hate circle up there. Yeah, but what I mean is, we could have easily like interjected, like, "Yeah, that was that was that's pretty fucked up" or something, but we yeah. just let David kind of mull on it. My pa told me that you never trust a Welshman, especially when one visit is Yep, yeah, it's kind of hard because Jeremy's just basically talking straight racism about the Welshman, and then the the French bastard. Can't trust the Frenchman. He's a thieving, conniving bastard. And I'm just like, whoa! I have no idea what happened. Honestly, we, you know, Marcel doesn't even have a good grasp of the situation. Maybe the maybe Irish did steal all those guns and horses, and he's, he was just getting what he deserves. But you know, John Marston, the guardian angel, showed up right on time to save his life. But you know, Irish isn't really that uh, grateful. It's like, you know, when we're getting close to the canyon. You know, Irish Swenson's like, oh, we're almost there. I can't wait to kill these bastards. I can't wait to kill them all. And John's just like, hey, remember, you're supposed to help me out with that gun. And you know, Irish, like, quickly doing a 180 from the from the very beginning of the thank you, Marston, was quickly like, eh, I don't owe you nothing, buddy. Oh, I don't owe you know, oh, a goddamn thing, fella. You don't even know who I am. <laughs> just like, whoa. <laughs> Whoa, Irish buddy! Here I come down, man. I just I don't saved know. your I life. I like, I like insane Irish. I, mean, I like insane Irish too, but it's just they came out of nowhere. I didn't expect that. And well, you know, Marston reaffirms you know their promises as you you best keep up the end of your deal. And he, he retorts that you know, I, I I've met a lot of people like Irish, and not a, a lot of people in his lifetime just like Irish. But, you know, just as, you know, they reach the, the edge of the cliff that overlooks onto a, onto the lake, and, and a house by the lake. Seems like, you know, these, these are the, some enemies setting up camp and just chilling. 
I guess these are the men that, that have uh, Irish weapons, uh, his weapons and his gun that we're looking for. Irish simply tells them, you know, you, 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 you can kill them here. You, you seem able. I'll be back here. And, and John's like, whoa, 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 I need some backup. And Irish is just like, yeah, I'm, I'm good long range. I'll sit this one out. I'll help you in the back. And yeah, I was, uh, I mean, a little bit of a spoiler alert, but, uh, I was super looking forward to having some sniper support. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, as he rides off, you know, it occurs to me when he said that statement, where it's just like, you know, I, I haven't handed him a weapon, nor did he have a weapon in his hand when I saved him. I don't know what long-distance support he's gonna give me, but I'll trust you. And, you know, I, I start to go down this hill and go towards the house on the lake, and instantly, immediately, with, with just hostile insults, these, these these bandits are just like, whoa, 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 what are you doing here? This place is taken. You can go back where you came from. And you know, seeing that there, you know, there was more than like six carry, you know, six enemies, I decided to switch to my repeater, walked as close as I could, and then just auto aimed the first three sitting around the campfire, and then immediately switched to my red eye. And just headshotted a whole line of enemies, and I, I think I cleared the camp in like less than a minute. <laughs> Did you try to sneak up at all? No, because I think they they see you immediately once you pass like a certain vicinity. I, I never really attempted to try to sneak behind rocks. Is that is that a tactic you did? Well, yeah. There's that the, the I mean, this is in an area where you're between a cliff. And then that lake right there, and it's just mm -hmm. kind of a thin little strip of land between the two. Mm -hmm. um, With some boulders. As you approach where they are, the the cliff kind of curves around, so there's some space on the far edge of the cliff that you can kind of hide behind as you approach. Mm. And I was like, well, maybe I can use that. Uh, I was still pretty much out of sight when they yelled at me to get up, so yeah, it's not a valid option. But I thought, yeah, I, I still can't so. figure out when sneaking does anything. <laughs> I, I think it doesn't either. do anything. Yeah, I mean, we're playing Red Dead Redemption. You're playing a cowboy. What cowboy in the West hides? <laughs> it's straight gun hole. Shoot to your dead. I, you know, I, I cleared the camp pretty quickly, and then there was just a lonesome house, and, you know, I, I had some, like, gamer intuition to be like, alright, this is a perfect time for an enemy to jump out at me. So I switched to my double barrel shot, <laughs> shotgun, <laughs> and uh, I approached the, the house, but no one really, like, from the side, but no one really showed up, but as I approached the door, you know, sure enough, the door swings open, and, you know, just for the lulls. I used the last bit of my red, of my red dead vision I had, my red eye, and just shot his face off. <laughs> nice. Oh, it was, it was quite glorious. Yeah, my encounter with that final enemy wasn't as graceful because I thought I had cleared the entire camp, and as is my style. I had hogtied one of the final victims, oh, and I, I brought him over to the edge of the lake, which was not a shallow beginning to a lake, but rather like a sheer drop into the deep end of the lake, and I carefully let him go, right? 
over the edge. And as I'm doing this, the man from the shed bursts out and starts shooting my back while I'm in the drop animation. So once again, almost died. But thanks to quick reflexes, I revolvered his face off. Yeah. Yeah. How was your encounter, Chris? It was was pretty short. I just ran in there with a pistol and just murdered everybody. Like, it it was messy. Yeah, it was quite messy. But, you know, conquering that one surprise man hiding in the house, you know, Jamarson enters the room in the house, you know, this house that looks pretty big, but, you know, upon entering, it's just one giant room. Yeah. It's just one giant (laughs) empty room. You know, it's kind of weird dwarf space there, but, you know, um, yeah, John Marston begins to realize that he's been had as, there's no weapons there, there's not even food, there's nothing in this house. He realizes that Irish was a lying bastard, and that he has to go and find him. And then that's actually, sorry, we're going to keep going? Oh, no, I was going to say that that concludes the mission yeah, I was going to say, yeah, and that's actually the end of the mission, which is perfect, because you're expecting some sort of follow-up from Irish, but no, he's nowhere to be found. He actually did just take off. So. He just did. <laughs> <laughs> what I imagine was, be, these people probably, he owes money to these bandits or something like that, so he's just like, I'm going to use you, buddy. I let you, you kill all these men for me. You know, they want my head. But they have the gun. Can you go kill them? Thank you, laddie. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just want to know why Marston thought he would actually cover him from a distance. I mean, yeah. Irish didn't have a gun on him. Yeah. <laughs> like at all. Not even a pistol, I don't think. Yeah, I just suspended my belief with Marston, so (laughs) I didn't Uh, make that rational jump at all, and was like, yeah, oh, he's just going to cover me. Yeah. That that moment kind of dawned at me at the same time as Marston, I guess, so I kind of favored from being blindsided as much as Marston did in that moment. I think Mm -hmm. it struck me pretty, pretty hard. I was like, oh, that's so... That's so clever. <laughs> this feels so backstabby. I'm really kind of pissed. Mm. Yeah. So, I believe that brings us to Dickens coming back into the fold. And in true Dickens fashion, the moment he sees Marston, he just he just says... Alright, Marston, I'm gonna level with you. You need to get me some more money. Cause I need that money. And Marston gets pissed off again, as we can assume, because he's been doing this for ages now. But this time, the money has a purpose. It's to outfit that wagon that Dickens has got with, uh, the capabilities of housing a Gatling gun inside of it. And so Marston's like, oh, God, I suppose I'm going to have to do this again. And 
So he agrees to participate in another race in a mission called The Sport of Kings and Liars. And so the two start riding off to the race point at Rathskeller Fork and have some banter along the way in typical Dickens and Marston fashion. Dickens thinks he's doing good, doing philanthropy, and Marston's just like, Dickens, you're a dumbass. I hate you so much. But, yeah, so the witty banter goes all the way up to the fork, and Dickens is like, all right, Marston, you do all the work. I'll sit back here and wait for our award. <laughs> and in my first run, a funny story here, there's a little crowd off to the side that's watching the race, like, with the starting point of the race. I actually ran into this crowd <laughs> and ended my mission real quick because the game doesn't yeah. want you to even touch them. They are uh. sacred, apparently. So that made me go all the way back. And the funny thing is, you can actually leave Dickens behind to get to the race if you know where it is. So that's what I did the second time. I just left him in the dust and took off. <laughs> nice. Yeah. As per usual with a lot of these uh, travel and talk encounters, he does have something different to say if you take more than one ride with him. Not but really. that's way too time consuming. Yeah, that's something you figure out when you die and you still ride with a person, which <laughs> apparently you didn't. I did it because... Did you run into the middle of the crowd as Marston? Or... No, 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 on the horse. Okay, same here, and it told me that I killed a spectator. Oh, so... I said you killed him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you. You haunt so, Yeah. I, I thought I was good, because that crowd was marked with an X, and I just ran my horse full speed <laughs> into that X and thought it would save me, because it was a cutscene. But no. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't even notice the crowd. I was too busy looking at Dickens. <laughs> Dickens? Yep, at Dickens. Oh my, that dicks. And then I murdered someone, apparently. So, <laughs> unfortunate. Dickens still screwing up Marston's life. But, anyways, so yeah. We uh, get to that start of the race. And, of course, we're in the back, as per usual. And it seems like. The people that do the races have learned not to trust Marston with a uh, with a little carriage behind it, a chariot kind of deal. Because if you remember the last time, I bowled right through those bastards. They didn't stand a chance. One of them went careening off the side of a cliff. It was a mess. Oh, I know. It was beautiful to watch them fall. Oh, yeah. So this time, it's individual horses, so you get to use your personal horse as Marston. Um, and the guy that uh, starts the race goes over the rules and is explicit in that you should not kill your fellow man in this race, saying it about ten times in different ways. Just no, do not maim or murder the other racers, please. Nothing about the horses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't say anything about the horses. Yeah, David, did you shoot any of the horses this time? I know you like shooting horses in this game. No, I didn't. I was tempted to, like, because I know when I was in the race, I was, was the stupid rubber band one, that one guy who was, like, right behind you all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I was, 
I was tempted to shoot his horse in the leg just to see, but, you know, I had the war horse, so I was like, ah, it's good, I'll just out-sprint him. <laughs> Alright, but yeah, so, this race, not as fun as the previous race, just because you can't destroy the other participants, yeah. but still pretty much just as easy, honestly. I was able to get ahead pretty early on, and I was able to keep the lead for the most part in the race. Uh, did you have anything interesting happen in the middle of the race, Jake? Um, no, I don't really think so. I think I wrote more about the town that this race originates from, because it was kind of cool. For the actual race, I was just like, yeah, I dominated. I did good <laughs> shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's not really that much to this race. It's pretty much going a straight line for the most part. Sometimes there's a little curve here and there. Uh, hardest part is going, like, off-road, basically. Yeah, Not really, yeah. cliffs were the worst for you. Oh, man. Did you fall off and kill your horse again? No, I just, like, <laughs> I didn't follow the road, so I just forced my horse to go up cliffs. Oh, man. So when you're not killing the horses, you're overworking them. them. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, but yeah. So, Marston and her wee win the race and uh, get ourselves some good money that we get take no part of, but Dickens does, and oh boy is Dickens happy with this. Saying all those allusions to other things in history uh, is, and, and victory, and he's like, Marston, I love you, and Marston just tells him to shut up and hurry up and get that wagon outfitted ready to go for Fort Mercer. Mm -hmm. And Dickens accepts that this is what he has to do. Um, and he rides off and leaves Marston there. You forgot the one key thing of this Oh, did I? Oh, man, what was it? John Marston's iconic line at the very end. A bunco, a grave robber, and a drunk. How can things possibly go wrong? Oh, man, you're right. As <laughs> <laughs> he pushes off Dickens, <laughs> contemplating about his life and what he's doing. I thought you were going to repeat Dickens' uh, He came, he saw, he conquered. You know, that was number two. But the fact that John said it put this quote above it. Did you have something else, Chris? No, I was just going to say that's about it for this chapter. We can move okay. on to the next one. Ooh, going back to Armadillo, are we? Oh, come over here, darling. <laughs> this is me best Irish accent that I can do. Hey, laddie. We're hey, going to Armadillo, hey, yeah? Oh, Armadillo. Bring that lovely booty right on over here for Uncle Irish to take a smack, take a gander at your booties. Yes. Ah, Uncle Irish. Irish to pull them strings for you. Wake the fuck up, Irish. Get the fuck up. <laughs> it's most of you. <laughs> Put the fuck you stones. Oh, oh, let me at him. Let me at him. You punched me out of me. I'll get you right now. Get away from me. Who are you? <laughs> So, um, man is born unto trouble. The <laughs> title of this chapter. 
we find the Irish drunkenly talking about sex behind the building in Benedict Point until Marston wakes him up out of his stupor. And uh, Marston's like, dude, where's my machine gun? Irish is like, oh, yeah, I did some recon. What's the Marston? That sounds what? That's what? Wait, when did they finish my risky first, Mr. Marston? If only I could roll R's, I feel like this would be a quack, but I <laughs> haven't the ability. Um, so Marston's like, alright, need to go get that shit, bruh. I saved your life, you owe me some shit, and Irish is like, oh, it happens all the time, lad. I get saved like three times a day. Uh, oh, not really. So I don't owe you shit. Marston, uh, and appreciative of this. This is Irish's cruel streak showing up once again. And, uh, he's like, well, uh, I'm glad that you find yourself so close to death so often. Um, I'll gladly provide you another opportunity to taste death right now. And Irish is like, fuck, no. <laughs> uh, let's go get you that machine gun, buddy. And so they get up on horseback and they head on out to Gaptooth Breach. Irish starts singing. Uh, Marston is worried that, you know, he's a bit too drunk for this foray out into the desert, as is, like, the entire environment in this game. But apparently alcohol sustains Irish long enough for him to tell us that uh, a bunch of miners have acquired this machine gun. And Marston's Dang. like, why the fuck do they have a machine gun? And I was just like, well, for fun, I guess, or because they're miners. <laughs> I don't blame no Mr. Marston. Right. Have you heard of how good Gatling guns carve into that rock base? Mm-hmm. Mr. Marston, they're going to grab that Gatling gun and fire it into the wall. There's treasure behind it. There are golden in heels. <laughs> Marston finds this as stupid an idea as we do, but uh, Irish gets a little bit more practical, and he's like, Oh, will we need a wagon? I'll go get you one. You go get the gun. <laughs> and so I'm like, Oh, fuck. So again, again. <laughs> no gun play for you, huh, buddy? I guess he is drunk, so he'd probably be pretty useless in that respect. Can't fire a gun? Look at me. I'm a drunk priest. Marston dismounts his horse as he sees uh, a few white tents, um, just kind of your typical uh, pitched triangle tent type thing. It's not like a modern fucking polyester dome tent or any of that shit. And uh, two men on horseback ride through this uh, kind of gully that's an entrance to this wider uh, pit that the mine is set in. And uh, these men come up and they tell me to stop right where I am because they don't need me where I I was once and to goes. Well, it's it's private property, sir. I know I'm back where you came from. Exactly. And uh, for like the first time in this fucking game unless I did that last time I think this is my second time in the entire fucking game yes I use red vision or whatever it's called red eye dead eye David keeps saying red eye he is very wrong 
I'm it's calling dead. it Deadeye, baby. Oh, man. Is that just our term now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, John Marston is fueled by the bloodlust. I guess. I mean, shoot. He can heal himself with his murder, so... Well, yeah, he gets hurt and he heals himself because he feeds off the blood of his... Of his he just needs blood. It's oh, man, he's he a vampire. Where's mm -hmm. the Windigo? I don't know which one. Exactly. And also, There Will Be Blood was set in this exact same setting, pretty much. So, Question, blood. where did you shoot them if, using this ability for the second time in your playthrough? I'm curious, where did you shoot them? Well... I used this opportunity of slow motion to ensure I didn't harm any animals. <laughs> That's where I shot them, was in the them, in the humans. Dude, you should learn from this. <laughs> okay, I, I gotta just interject for a quick second. So I didn't intentionally mean to do this, but I uh, did the same thing where I had used my dead eye, red eye, I had, I had given it a headshot, but what I wanted to do was also shoot them in the chest. But So I had aimed for the head for the first guy, and I aimed down for his chest, but then oh, I guess I did it too. I guess I pulled the analog stick too down, oh so I went automatically God. straight down for the, for the horse's head. I didn't kill both of them. You I fucking asked, maniac. You burned it up. <laughs> So when I did it, I killed both of them, but I killed one of the horses. But since I did like a like straight up headshot, the horse like the way it 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 uh, ragdoll was kind of weird. It was kind of funny because it legit just kind of like its front legs went straight down and its face face butted, but its back legs were still up. So it was doing this weird slope position as if it was praying, and it was just like, oh man, I'm sorry. You know. You know, David calls this weird, but I feel like Rockstar really wasn't planning for mass horse murder. <laughs> maniac. They were like, we're not going to animate that because we're not going to kill any real-life horses. Well, exactly. It's not really real-life horses. It wasn't. <laughs> you maniac. You're a monster. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you're only a monster in video games, I hope. <laughs> and then we go and visit David at his establishment where he has 50 dead horses in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got a murder hole. Hopefully no one listening to this decides to swat your house. You better be careful, uh, David. Uh, so, yeah, I run through the two unharmed horses, which are now missing riders... And uh, enter into this camp in this uh, valley here. And uh, there's like four or five more miners that start opening fire on me because I guess they realized I was a bad guy. Just and, shot uh, their security. <laughs> they were probably watching their two best friends get gunned down by me as I was receiving my warning to step away. Um. And so I kind of break off to the right to flank a little bit. I, again, I'm kind of running forward because I feel as though I'm in a tunnel. Only this time, I really basically am. Um, and as instantly as I take cover on that first piece of, piece of planking and kind of start circling to the right a little bit, like five dudes spawn to my right because apparently I was getting closer to the entrance of the mine, which I assumed would be on the far side. Not so. Directly to your right upon coming in. 
And uh, so I found myself quickly outgunned. Um, but of course, auto-aim is always your friend in a Rockstar game. And so I, I blast some men in the face, take off some hats, see them flying in the wind, gun smoke blasting out of my uh, front. And then I uh, follow this cart trail. There's a nice, uh, you know, wood and steel almost railroad track only for well a mining cart <laughs> if you need more description of that I'm not sure I can do it for you uh, I follow it down into this well lit mine by uh, a bunch of oil lanterns uh, also it looks as though they have electrical lighting in this mine so very high tech very nice and uh, I whip out my shotgun and I just kind of heft it to my face as I walk down the tunnel of this mine shaft and one man runs up he's like screaming almost like a Han Solo run through the Death Star and I just take him down with one shot his body collapsed on the uh, track and then I see a red crate around the corner and I blast it too the TNT destroys what I assume to be another man as I hear a Wilhelm scream and I continue to the intersection of um, where it shows a path towards the core of the mine and then more just mine shaft <laughs> um, but I have to follow the shaft way because well the core is blocked with rocks don't know if that was a tactical move or if the thing just kind of collapsed uh, but then I see a man running past a TNT barrel at the end of the hallway. I go ahead and blast that, and, well, he dies too. Then I reach this kind of open cavern, and there's this giant ape of a man on the far side and dirty white long johns next to a TNT barrel. <laughs> As you can guess, I dispatch him via TNT barrel. Then I look to the other man on the other side, and he has TNT close by, though not right under his feet as in these other situations. I destroy the red box, hoping to eliminate yet another enemy in this long dungeon of enemies, but he survives. This, however, unfortunately for him, is kind of the main uh, like shaft area where they lift with an elevator the actual mining cart. And so there are kind of some scaffolds that I can climb up these ladders. And even though he's standing behind this kind of six-foot wall of crates that he can cover, I climb higher than he and just kind of aim down on the poor man as he pops out and I destroy his face in a blast of blood. Um... <laughs> God, just satisfying my own bloodlust here, reminiscent about it. I head up the tunnel to two more miners and blast one mercilessly with my shotgun, one shot, and then save my second shot before reloading to take out my lasso. And I grab him. But the problem was that <laughs> I tried to lasso him about three times because I kept hitting this box he was taking cover on. Well, that kind of frustrated me, so my screen was sufficiently red. I just kept seeing red. I could have red-eyed him, but I felt 
it best to save that, as I often do, because I always feel like I'll someday really need it. I take his hogtied body, and I set it next to an unexploded TNT box, and go ahead and proceed to exterminate him the way I've exterminated so many of his friends. Unfortunately, I was standing right next to it, so it blew me up, too. Then I proceeded down the shaft because Marston still hadn't died from that explosion. It was point blank. And uh, head up to the tunnel where I blast a couple more. And uh, there's more death. Then I reach the mine cart. And the entire shaft at this point has been cleared out. And I grab the mine cart and it gives me this tutorial that I can kind of, you know, I can ride the cart if I get it fast enough like going downhill and then I can shoot while like hanging on to the back of it it's pretty cool uh, unfortunately there are zero enemies left in the mine shaft I don't know if it expected me to like leave them alive and then go get the cart and ride through because I find that would probably get you killed mm-hmm. but that might have been a funner way to do it um no but then I see Irish at the top of this shaft where I get the uh cart to the elevator and he's like oh glad to see you chap let's lift you up on this fucking ear I see you elevator. got me lucky charms <laughs> yeah <laughs> so switch the uh, lever go up the lift and uh, Irish again says well see you in a bit I'll be down here at the bottom of this hill I'm sure no one else will show up to get you and uh, push on down this hill, finally get to ride on the cart a little bit, and I see one man running the same direction I'm headed, so I just kind of blast him in the back with my revolver in one hand as I use the other to latch on to this fast-moving minecart, and I just savor the opportunity. I'm ready for like a, a five minute on rail section where I just blast like 30 dudes while on a mine cart um, that doesn't happen <laughs> there's <laughs> one more enemy on my line to the finish line and uh, he's another brutish ape man setting a TNT trap along the tracks unfortunately for him uh, I have a 20 second cut scene that basically shows me exactly where this is going to be. Then I have about a 10 second lead up, as well as auto-aim, which tracks to the TNT box. So I just blast him as he's trying to set it up and escape unscathed as I roll through this nice wooden shack and into the finish line for Seth to take me away. Seth. Seth. Uh, sorry. It's the Irishman. Uh, for Irish. For Irish to take. Not the gremlin. Take me away. Take me away. Take me away. To a fabulous place. Where I can get drunk. And have my way. (laughs) Uh, uh, Well, Chris, did you want to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, Jake had a nice, uh, nice, uh, quiet ride to Irish. I, mm-hmm. on the other hand, got screwed. 
So yeah. after the uh, little TNT incident on the railway, the minecart, I went through the house like normal. I was like, all right, it's pretty good. But there's a little turn that you go on. Like you, you, you slide to the left a bit, right? Mm-hmm. I end up going straight forward on that turn, and I just ride that minecart continuously across the desert, through the mountains, very awkwardly, in a <laughs> hilarious glitch. It, and like, so, you got a lot of speed, right? And Mar- uh, Marston's hanging on the back of the cart. He doesn't let go of that cart. <laughs> he holds on to that thing for dear life as it just takes him for a trip across the land. I mean, it does have the Gatling gun in it. And I failed to mention that. When you get to the mining cart, you also get the gun. So, I guess you weren't going in there for the mining cart, which is what I was kind of pitching that whole time. <laughs> but yeah, Marston's got to hold on to that Gatling gun. So when things go haywire and you start floating through realms of existence, you got to keep that gun, man. Yeah, you're right. That's a pretty important piece of hardware right there. So... I mean, I guess he went through hell and back and uh, had to use some time travel bullshit to get him back in position to not, roll, like, run off the rails. But yeah, so that was my little interesting experience with that. Yeah. Just running <laughs> into the ether. Yeah, so I had an unorthodox kind of run through of that mission. Uh, I wanted to actually, actually ask you, Jake, did you at any chance decide to shoot the uh, the lamps filled with oil uh, as opposed to the TNTs boxes? I did not in this section. I did actually later um, in the story in one of the missions that we're going to talk about today realize that you can do that. But no, I didn't do that in the mine. Well, when you do so... Um, they act like TNT? They act no, 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 like, like Molotov. It, it acts like a, yeah, Molotov. That's all I was going to yeah. say. Well, yeah. And it just lights people on fire. <laughs> it's pretty beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I had fun doing that, basically. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nice. On fire. It was, it was quite fun. And I also asked you guys, I don't know, because I, I had never heard this audio, audio, uh, audio cue before. So when I cleared the mining area... Um, the, the music, you know, it kind of amped up. It got really intense to a point where when I finally finished it, it just kind of like, I heard an accordion play at the very end after killing my last guy. And it was this intense, like, and I was like, I never knew they had an accordion. Like, it I was never a distinct heard an accordion. Yeah, that's how it, it tripped me out. It like, legit was, was, an, was an accordion playing at the end. And it's I was just kind of. Yeah, exactly. For some thing. reason, so in my mind, you're saying accordion. You mean the the thing that's squishy that you pull yeah, out and you push like, in? It, yeah. It so it was like a tron tron intensely played. And I've never heard it before. Like I played this game before, but I've never heard this audio cue before. I know there's definitely, like, mission rankings and stuff, right? Like how they do it in other, like, GTA games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So maybe by using the lanterns, you achieved some bonus objective, and maybe you, like, aced it. 
Probably. Yeah. Yeah, well, I only that's... shot like one lantern, so you probably <laughs> did more than me. Well, I shot a lot of TNT. Mm-hmm. No lanterns. <laughs> cool. Cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. Yeah, so um, but the, thing that, the other thing that kind of <laughs> stupefied me was after with the whole cart, uh, mining cart situation. So you guys seem to have like a cool uh, cart ride in Fiasco stuff. I didn't realize that. I, I, all I, cause I kind of was late to the game, so when the, when the cutscene had to do with Irish and I saw the mining cart run off, I didn't cop on it, so I was running after it. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. I thought he started on it. No, uh, like you start right next to it, I think you're supposed to just hop on it, or you just move forward and, and you just get on it. So at that point, you were, like, rushing to shoot the box before it got there without you. Well, what happened was I'd run, I'd run after it, and, like, you know, the only shot would have started shooting me, but my, my, you know, my focus was the gun, so I was just like, well, I need to get on that car, and I just tanked, like, several bullets <laughs> into my back. <laughs> and then I noticed the man on the track setting TNT, and so I took out my revolver and I blew up the TNT. Uh, and... I, I think it was, I don't know why, but it was, I, I think, because so there's supposed to be people on there, or, you're, I mean, you're supposed to be on the cart, the, the, the mine cart started to slow down as it went on that slope, which threw me off, because I was, I was thinking it should just move forward, but I guess, you know, um, probably it's just the game mechanics, so just, like, it gives you that, that few seconds of just, like, Okay, here's your chance to try to shoot that TNT. But right. I already shot it, so I was able to catch up, uh, catch up, and then finally ride it as it entered the building. You know, and, and realized it was basically the end of the mission. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, oh okay. Glad I caught that car. <laughs> Glad I caught the car for the very oh, end. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah, that I mean. Irish drives off and he's like, I'm gonna go see Dickens, so I'm ready for my shit now, I think. <laughs> and that begins your next mission. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, the next mission, because, you know, after after finally getting the Gatling gun and, you know, run and letting Irish take it off to good old Dickens, you know, you, you, you end up going to the, uh, uh, the next mission, Known as unshaking ground in, in in the cesspool, the cesspool of this map, with the nice, you know, um, the meek, the the murky waters of uh, oh man, Thieves Landing. Thieves Landing. Thank you. I I realized I didn't write it down. But yes. Uh, did you uh? Could you describe Thieves Landing real quick? Um, it's from your a memory. Huge shift in tone. Uh, because, you know, it seems no matter what time you come to Thieves Landing, whether it's daytime or nighttime, it's like this, uh, once you enter it, this basically filter of gray goes over it, and you walk in and it's just like, you hear people screaming, you hear people fighting, you know, there's a whorehouse, there's a bar, there's people who are dueling, shooting each other, you know, the name gives it gives it justice. It's Thieves Landing. It's where all of the bandits and all the scum of America shows up and has their way. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's also kind of a swampy atmosphere, would you say? I mean, yeah, it's a bunch um, of like almost like uh, glade trees, like the it's like the bayous. It's, yeah, it's the bayou. That's okay, yeah, the, yeah, the best yeah. expression. It's basically you're walking into the bayou, swampy area. You walk into Shrek's Landing, basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you head towards the bar, and, and the mission starts on the side of the bar. And as you uh, walk in, you uh, jump to another another one of Irish's famous befuddlements and just awful, awful drunken demeanor. As uh, he, he, he has these two nuns held up at gunpoint asking for just a wee bit of cash, whatever you have, hand it over to me, hand it over, sister. And Marston, realizing what's going on, clearly asks... What is Irish doing? He takes his gun and says, What are you doing, old friend? And something I want to point out, uh, I have it here, I forgot to mention. When you look at Irish, um, he's got really sweaty stick, uh, he's got really sweaty pit stains on his shirt. And you know, his shirt's really like, he's got stains all over, you know, getting the, the look like he, he's been kind of not taking a shower for quite some time and clearly drunk and enumerated. You know, it's a nice little thing I noticed. It's, yeah, it really pushes Irish's character as, you know, a drunken bastard who's, who really isn't quite trustworthy, and I don't know why we trust, we're trusting him. I, we already have the gun, I don't know why else John Marston would come back to him, but, you know. As he goes, and he takes the gun, and he says, Hey, it's, it's, it's me, your old friend John Marston, as it seems that Irish doesn't recognize him at all, probably because he's too drunk, and, you know, Marston's like, let me give you a good dosage. And hear that amnesia and whacks him right across the forehead. And I, I put in quotes, although I know it's not exactly what he said. But uh, Irish is like, "Who's you?" Who's <laughs> 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 you? <laughs> and Marston's like, Marston's like, "I'm amnesia, bitch." <laughs> Whack. Love it. That was it. Sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're right now, Irish, not really happy that he's got hit right across the porch, just like, oh, blimey, and quickly, quickly, you know, John Marston, just not giving him a break, quickly just puts him in a headlock and reminds him, I'm John Marston, here to remind you of the debt you owe me, because you would have been dead without me, and throws him across the floor. And, you know, upon being on the floor, looking up to the sky, you know, partially recovering from that pain in the forehead and nearly probably being choked out. He turns to him. He has the epiphany of, Oh, Mr. Marston, I remember now. I remember you. And John responds and retorts, I'm ashamed to know you. And he's like, what's wrong? And he goes on to say, what's wrong with you? You're robbing the good, the good, the good lady, the good women of the Lord. What's wrong with you? And apologizes to the, to, to, to the nuns on his behalf and says, please, please ignore my friend here. He, he's, he's possessed by the demon of drinking, or hopefully he is, because, you know, or else he has to come to the realization that he's just that idiotic. But, you know, he lets the, the, the nuns pass, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a funny little moment, but as the nuns, like, steadily and slowly kind of pass, because they're not too sure if Irish will attack them or not. One of them gives the whole Catholic cross sign praying for the poor Irish men's soul which gave me a good chuckle (laughs) 
Uh, and, and, and I was just like, oh, I was just thinking. And, uh, and uh, I have a solution uh, for your issue, because I guess the Gatling gun needs some parts to be fixed up before it can be fully operational. And you know, I was just, just like, oh, I love the parts. Come with me. And you know, as he, he starts to walk away, he really, really is angry. As I think he, he kind of swears to John Marston, but, you know, he does it in the PG uh, Catholic way of just saying, Mother freaking Mary, <laughs> as he walks away. <laughs> it's just giving me a good chuckle. But yeah, as you guys start, uh, as you guys start heading out to um, your horses, basically, um, or, well, basically you come to follow Irish. Uh, cool thing I noticed is as you start to walk around um, Thieves Landing, it seems the whole area becomes to become more interactive and alive, at least for the mission. Because as you start to walk, as you start walking, these uh, these 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 uh, women from the brothel start to holler at. And uh, Marston saying, you know, come over here, big boy, how much how about you get a drink? And Marston quickly just retorts, I'm married. Which, you know, I don't really remember this from before, but it's a nice little detail that just, as we get to know a little bit more about Marston, he said, and how we begin to, be, I assume, do more good deeds, you know. He starts to show more of his character in the missions, and, you know, now he's probably just saying, hey, I'm married, and turning down the brothel woman. And then, you know, continuing on his way. And at the same time, a drunken bastard man walks out. And I think, I don't know, I think he was just talking to himself, but for me, at least as I started walking, he walked towards me and he was just like, come at me. And, he's, and I think he wanted to do a duel, but then, you know, he ragged on just face-planted. But, you know, as you start walking with a good old Irish Shawaka Bridge, you know, John starts to ask him, what, what's wrong with you? Why, why would you pray on the weak and pray on God's children? And you know, Irish clearly defending himself and never, like, never in the wrong. Says, "I'm a good Irish. I'm a good. I'm a good Irish Catholic boy. What do you mean? I, I do what's good." And you know, again, John Marston just, you know, finding that hard to believe and asking, "Why would you do such things?" And you know, Irish quickly trying to defend himself decides to attack John's character and says, "You know, you're no different. You 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 rob from the from the people as well. You steal from people." And you know, John at least goes back and says, "Well, when I least when I used to rob from people, I would steal from those who who had too much and didn't need didn't need to worry about losing a bit." And Irish then retorts, "You know, I was just stealing from the church. The church has loads of money. They don't need it." And you know, as you begin to approach the this yard, or I assume this is junkyard, you reach a door, and Irish begins to pull on it, and you know, he's going to open the door, and then come to find out. Oh, it's locked. Who would have thought it was locked? It's supposed to be open. It's always open. And then he says, well, let's go around the back. So, you know, you travel behind the building. And you, I, and you uh, go up these stairs and go through the side entrance. And then, uh, Irish begins to talk about his associate, Shaky, who will help him out basically get these parts. But... As he approaches uh, the door, it sounds like there's a lot of turmoil going on. Is there's some men arguing, and what seems to be someone getting hit, or I don't know, getting beat up. So Irish decides to take a close on look and puts his ear against the door and starts to hear. And we are shown that uh, these three men surrounding this man on a door tied up. I mean, on a chair. My bad. Tied <laughs> 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 up. <laughs> and then they're just like, well. 
we find that this man who's sitting down is, is shaky. And they see if you get to question shaky. Yeah, and, and uh, as, as this man named Shaky is being punched in the gut, we kind of see him raise his face a little bit and defiantly tell his captors that he won't speak a lick. He's, uh, he's got a similar look to Irish in that all of his hair is jet black and his uh, features are very uh, rough. He's got a stiff nose that looks like it's been broken in places and a uh, just kind of one of those <laughs> I don't know how to describe it but it's like a poof hat where it's like a it's a oversized half sphere on top with a button in the middle and then just a short bill poking out the front and uh, he has a distinguishable stutter as he uh, tells off his captors and he's like I'll never no, 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 I'll never tell you and uh, I think he's also Irish. I might just be remembering that. Weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I view Shaky as just Irish with a hat <laughs> and a stutter. Yeah. Well, yeah. As, uh, you know, as uh, Irish hears the situation, he begins to say, you know, Marston, you, you, you go save my good friend Shaky. I'll bring the wagon out back. And again, Irish showing his uh, cowardly way. It says, you know, you go deal with it while I go do something else. And, you know, he heads off, and it's up to Marston to, to figure out what to do. So, you know, me and Marston, I was just like, well, I can see there's a little, little area, these, these crates stacking up against the wall and up to the scaffold of the roof. So it's like, I guess it's time to do some parkour hardcore. So, you know, uh, starting to use the mechanic of the jump button of the square button, I guess, that you rarely get to ever use. I think the last time I ever used it was the, the, the barn mission where, you know, he had to scale the barn, but, you know, John Marston starts to hoist himself up onto the walls and onto the roof, and then over on top of the roof and slides down against the roof onto an open window on the side of the building. You know, really, I think it's like the only time you actually get to sneak, sneak, at least for me. You know, I crouched, I walked through that window, come down, walked into the room where there was the three men that were beating up Shaky, and, you know, Unbeknownst to them, I was in the room and, you know, got my good old red eye, you know, and just shot them all in the back. Now, this was a moment, as I was aware, that we could actually use stealth. Mm -hmm. Did you have a guy outside of that office that you could sneak up on? Um, I didn't see such a character. The there might have been an enemy or a guy there, okay. but I just went straight into the building. Yeah, yeah, my guy you're... or my game had a guy that was standing outside. Okay, uh, David might have just had really good timing, but in my case, I thought I might have screwed it up a little bit because I ran on the roof rather than just sneaking. Well, I was in the, I was crouched, but I was doing the crouch run. You which... know what? That might be it because I did the same thing, and yeah. a red dot popped up on the map. Right, yeah, they alerted somebody inside who then started kind of patrolling that area where you drop in. And uh, I was still in sneak. I learned from that moment of sprint crawling, sprint crouching, to not do it anymore. But yeah. then I attempted to pacify him somehow, <laughs> um, sneakily. And so I got out my knife, 
and uh, was waiting from, for some sort of cue, pressed a few buttons, and ended up just normally slashing him with a knife as you would in normal combat. <laughs> I killed him without him, like, shooting anything, but it did also alert everybody. <laughs> so I don't know how your guys' went, but uh, I definitely had a bit of a shoot-off to get to Shaky. Yeah, oh, what I had happen was, uh, for some reason I thought I was playing, like, GTA V or something. So, you're on that little part, like, above the office where you can, like, see the catwalk, right, inside. I just took out my gun and shot him, assuming it was silenced for some reason. <laughs> and I was like, damn it! <laughs> there goes my stealth. And, yeah, then I had a little shootout as well. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I guess I did see because I mean I just kind of casually went up there and uh, you know, was was crash walking. I didn't not, not that I'm thinking about. It, I think there was a moment where I, I slid down the side of the building where an enemy had said like, oh, "Do you hear that noise or something like that?" Mm-hmm. Which prompted me to just kind of rush, just hastily go into the building through the window. <laughs> but you know, how was my experience? You know. Well, back to where we're, you know, upon the killing duel, for at least for me, killing those three men instantly, you know, uh, cut straight to cutscene where, you know, you know, I go up to Shaky and I start, you know, cutting him free and, and you know, he starts to thank me. And, you know, it, it, it comes very clear as there is why probably he's named Shaky as, you know, he needs to stutter every other word, every like third word. As <laughs> when you said this, I mean, it's just like, I, uh, da, 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 thank you. You kind of missed that. <laughs> and it's just, you know, thank you, John Marston. And he's just like, well, Marston's just like, you're not out of it yet, you know, the kindness, only as good as the bullets that you can catch up for me, you know, he says, basically, so, you know, you know, you're only as good to me as you are, you know, as, as what you can deliver. So, you and your friend Irish kid. But before they could continue the conversation, you know, bullet goes flying through the window, I assume nearly hitting one of them. But, you know, John Marston and Shaggy take cover, and, you know, we go straight into a cover shooting mechanic, you know, you know, something that I hadn't used in forever. Which I thought was kind of interesting, because, like, um, if I'm taking my rifle and I start shooting these enemies, you know, John Marston showed up, just destroys the window with his elbow, which I don't think I've never seen him do before, so I was just like, oh, that's cool. It's like, this is the cover mechanic, alright. Cover shooting mechanic at its finest. So, I'm not gonna lie. I stopped using cover a long time ago. I just run in there and start blasting people. Yeah, and you know what? You're not wrong, because I did the same thing. I only did the cover mechanic because I thought that was what the game wanted me to do, because that's what it seemed to set up for. So I did do it for, like, the first minute. As I shot through the window and then moved over to some crates and I shot some guys and used my, you know, red eye and killed them. But after a while, then I just kind of ran forward and just started going crazy with auto-aiming and just <laughs> wailing people, you know, going through the little warehouse, <laughs> just shooting people, shooting people in the leg. I, I had a cool little um, animation, actually, where I shot one guy in the leg and each, as he tried to get up, I went forward and I was going to try to execute him, but I guess instead John Marston just kind of got the butt of his repeater and just, bam, uppercutted him with the, with the hilt of it. And <laughs> just knocked him dead, which I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, that mission was pretty just like in and out, just murder everybody, and then, you know, 
after killing everybody, you know, you bring out Shaky Isle, and then there's Irish with the wagon. And, uh, and, and Irish says, Hey, Shaky, I brought you some morning pills to, 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 to come your shake gainings. <laughs> and Shaky doesn't really appreciate his sarcasm, and calls Irish, and calls Irish, uh, a fucking snake. I, I think he just uses fucking fuck, mm-hmm. so it's just like yeah, it was just fucking fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, they seem to just insult each other back and forth, you know. Yeah. And that, that, that's their form of, of friendship, you know. Their bondage. They're, they're like, you know, good old pal, you fucking busted. Do you did you hear what Irish says in response in response to Shaky being like fucking? Fuck! <laughs> he's just—he's walking away, kind of waving him off, and he's like, yeah. "Oi, my virgin ears!" <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that old oh, man. Yeah, actually, yeah. I'm my virgin ears. <laughs> Going back to the good old Catholic Irish. Yeah, he's so full of shit. <laughs> I like him. Oh, I love him too. Irish is great. He's a terrible person, but he's great. But, you know, then the mission transitions into, you know, a wagon chase scene where, you know, you start riding off with uh, Irish driving and shaking in the back. And, you know, you start, you, you, you start, you know, you're running and people start following you and you, Irish just complain and be like, I don't like this Mastin. I don't like the on the run. And Marston's just like, calm your shit. I got this. <laughs> And then, you know, he says, all you should worry about is hoping that those parts that we get work for the Gatling gun. We got another thing coming. And, you know, you keep going. And Irish says nothing, but, you know, it's not as annoying as Dickens, I would say, but, like, every minute at least where he would just be like, I can't handle this much. They're shooting at me. They'd just be like... <laughs> he is a little bitch. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Marston smashed his liquid courage, so... He's kind of running on fumes. Yeah, he sobered it on map real quick. Sobriety, the worst enemy. But, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, we, we've, uh, you know, I kill a bunch of people, and then we finally get to the good old, uh, good old McFarland farm. Ranch. Ranch, sorry. Ranch. McFarland ranch, ranch dressing. Oh, ranch man. Dressing. Yeah. Ah, uh, you know. Get there, hop off, you know. Irish is like, I'm impressed with you, Marston. Don't worry, that's gonna kind of work, and you know. And we step, we go in our separate ways, and you know, it really dawns to me for the first time in a long time, and it's like, man, I haven't really seen Miss McFarland in quite a while. I hope she's doing alright. But yeah, that ends yeah. my mission there. Because I, I think uh... it's been quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta say, just. Interject a little bit here. Um, the the chase sequence for me, I had very much the same impressions, but you know, I was doing the same thing I try to do when I'm just riding and shooting where I free aim. And uh, guys, this time I didn't, I didn't do so good. <laughs> I, no, I shot no. a horse in the head. Oh, you bastard! Accidentally. Welcome to the club. I saw it go down, just, it was like in a ditch, too. It just collapsed into this ditch as we passed over a bridge. 
I gotta say, I I don't think I'm gonna be able to free aim on those sections anymore because auto hurt. aim, <laughs> auto aim. Yeah, I think I got auto aim. But then mm-hmm. on the bright side, when I got back to the McFarland Ranch, I saw one of those uh, Longhorn skulls up on the post entering into the ranch, and remember back to that scene a couple weeks ago where I shot a longhorn skull on the side of somebody's house uh, prepping up Dickens' elixir and I thought as though I could hit this longhorn skull. Maybe it would be destructible and so I didn't get to take my shot at it until we had passed it and uh, I shot the backside of that baby and it broke so crisp. It was so, so delightful. It made me forget about, almost forget about that poor horse. Although I still held a memorial service afterward. But, ah, that sweet, sweet physics engine, baby. Mm-hmm. All right, sorry. That was it. <laughs> All right. So... After we get the parts for the Gatling gun, we end up... Hold on. <clears throat> oh, God. I am dying. All right. So, we end up going and uh, up above on a hill above Fort Mercer. And uh, Marston gathers his uh, newfound group, posse. I don't know what you would call it. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a posse. Yeah, definitely a posse. He gets his uh, posse together, and you see a close-up of Marston lighting a cigarette on top of the hill, watching Fort Mercer with deadly intent. He wants a bloodbath to go down in there. And so we have Dickens and the rest of them show up behind Marston, except Seth. Seth isn't with them. Dickens informs us that Seth has made his way into the fort somehow. <laughs> I don't know how, but they let a tomato into their into their fold. And so he's just <laughs> dancing around on the walls, having a grand old time. And uh, Dickens lays down the plan for the assault on Fort Mercer. Because Dickens is a fucking leader for some reason. Yeah, I don't know who decided that was a good idea. He's not the leader, he's just the master. He's the the plotter, man. He's (laughs) He's the puppet man. He's the puppet master. But I'd like to just add a little something before Auburn, because notice something I I kind of... As as the whole posse begins to gather around, you know, Marston and Dickens as they're centerfold, you know, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but on the side, you know, Irish cut, he's not in the shot, but when he finally comes into the shot, he's like, oh man, I want to be in the front like all the cool guys. So he goes, <laughs> up, he goes up right next to Marston, but then the marshal's like, oh hell no, boy. And puts his rifle away and starts poking him to really like, step aside, son. So Irish is like, oh, okay, I'll step aside. And then, and then even, uh, uh, I guess it's one of his deputies, I, don't even, I forget, but then they also put him to the back and like, nah, nah, you belong in the back, son. <laughs> and then Irish just appears behind the group of men. Just a little I did not notice Irish until, the like, later. But uh, I did notice they had, like, a generic NPC in the mix. 
Yeah, yeah he's was, supposed to be like an extra deputy. deputy or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was me noticing him. I like I honed in on that guy. I was like, <laughs> he's not supposed to be there. That I think I completely missed Irish. Yeah, yeah I it, think I'm in the same boat as you there. Yeah, yeah the guy just turned me off. Uh, he was one of the he was the uh, he was one of the deputies that that pushed Irish to the back. <laughs> oh, really? He's the one that did it. Yeah, because he was first the good old marshal, and then re- he, I think the generic NPC was right next to the marshal. Mm. So the marshal pushed him back, and then the deputy was like, "Get it, get the idea." Um. But yeah. So the plan, though, to get into Fort Mercer is that Seth will make a little distraction for a second, which uh, Dickens will follow up as Seth lets Dickens into the fort, and he's going to give the best speech of his life and uh, take down their guard, so then he can give Marston the signal and he can unleash hell with his Gatling gun inside the wagon. And afterwards, the marshal and his men can clean up and get themselves some medals. And... Mm -hmm. There's no questions to this plan. Uh, Marston doesn't seem concerned that he's going to be literally in the middle of a whole group of enemies, but I guess he's immortal either way, so it doesn't bother him too much. With a literal Trojan horse. Oh, yeah. So they put the plan into action. The marshal and his men get into position, and Dickens gets uh, Marston set up inside of his wagon, and he rides down towards the gates and telling him that the signal will be two knocks on the side of the door, or on the side of the wagon wall. Um, so they get up to the gate, and Seth, again, I don't understand why they gave Seth such a great position as opening up a gate, but <laughs> I suppose so. These guys aren't the brightest bunch. So Seth goes, hey, it's that snake oil guy. Let's let him in. Woo! And so the door is open. And uh, Dickens rides in and gets off of his wagon with the back of it facing the uh, unsuspecting guards of Fort Mercer. And so Dickens gets on the best speech of his life saying that his tonic can give, can turn men into women. It can make people chew through steel. And uh, you, you know how this song and dance goes. He's full of shit. But yeah, I I think part of it too. He was kind of like, yes, it'll make you grow strong. And he's looking at all these guys who are already buff. And it's like <laughs> it even gives people who are already buff more vigor. <laughs> I was just confused that he said it turns any man into a beautiful. Woman. Yeah, that seemed uh, <laughs> thrown in there randomly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> the vibe I was picking up from that was that it was a sausage fest here, so wouldn't it be great if I could just turn one of you dudes into a woman? <laughs> hey, but oh, which man. woman wants to become a woman? But if they want to get strong, and they're just like, I wanted to get strong, and now I got breasts. I didn't expect <laughs> this. <laughs> mm. But, um, yeah, so... Dickens finishes up his little spiel there and uh, does a two knocks on the side of the door. You just hear, and all of a sudden, out pops a Marston out of a fucking birthday cake, and he's like, "Surprise, motherfuckers!" And he just whips down the roof on that uh, wagon, 
and he has a Gatling gun, and he just opens up on these guys, just mowing them down left and right. And then they just start coming out of the woodworks. Like, every door that you see, you, there's just guys pouring out of there. And Marston, he just got infinite ammo at this point, so he's just unloading on everybody. Like, no tomorrow. And after about, I don't know, would you guys say a minute of mayhem inside of there with that Gatling gun? Yeah, it's like a minute, two minutes of just going commando. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. just corpses everywhere. Everyone's dead. Oh, yeah. but the funny, the funniest part of this, in my opinion, is the little uh, tip that pops up on the top left of your screen. And it says... Remember, if you take damage, use that medicine that you completely forgot about because oh, it's shit. useless in every other situation. Yeah. Uh, I, I, about that. I, I, I think everyone forgets about medicine. Never so, the medicine's worthless, let's be honest. I think the thing that gave me a chuckle was to see um, that, like, when I would turn to the right, if, if you go all the way to the right, you see a little Dickens with his revolver trying to help you out. Oh, really? People. Yeah, that was <laughs> too. Yeah, oh, I had man. a few of the grunts, like, kind of hunting him down, and he was like, Why are they coming at me? <laughs> Good heavens, why are they after me? <laughs> oh, but um, one thing I have to give Rockstar props for is that the like physics engine in this with and like the uh environmental destruction that you can do with the Gatling gun. It actually takes like pieces off of the walls, it can break uh tables and stuff that you can't do with your normal guns. So it's really cool. It makes you feel like you're powerful with that thing. Well you are. It's a government issue Gatling gun. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. Very good uh like stationary mow down a lot of enemies uh scene. Very fun. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, after all the death and destruction and not many guards left alive, uh, the marshal and his men roll into the fort and start cleaning up people. And uh, Dickens makes his takes his leave from the fort and saying, Hey, you guys don't need me here because I don't want to die. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm taking my Gatling gun and going. Yeah, he got a free Gatling gun out of this. I mm-hmm. think he got off better than everyone else. I'm going to go sell this to some miners. Oh, man. That's how the miners got it in the first place. It was Dickens. <laughs> Keep selling miners these guns. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Marston, uh, attempting to look for Bill Williamson, the whole reason for this mess that we find ourselves in, uh, joins the marshal and his deputies to search around the fort and clear out the remaining survivors. And... So you go up onto the wall of the fort and take down a few enemies here and there. Um, I never, I didn't really have anything spectacular happen uh, in this case. I heard a few, few uh, Wilhelm screams, but that's yeah, about it for house. me. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much I, just mopping up. Are you basically saying you're done with the combat section until the yeah. next? Okay. <laughs> I, I had a moment where I'm on top of these great stone walls and. There's about, like, a story and a half distance between, like, the top of the wall and the actual ground area on the inside. And the marshal's kind of leading the charge on a lot of this stuff, so much so that everybody else is still on the top. And the marshal has gone, like, (laughs) down below to this room, like, with several enemies 
flanking him, not because they did clever maneuvers, but because he just ran to where they could flank him. And uh, I, I kind of hurriedly went to go join the marshal. And uh, I, I take a jump right off from the top down to the bottom, which I should have taken the steps. I end up a little bit bloodied, but I land right next to an enemy who I couldn't see below me. And uh, I take out my rifle, and I attempt to, you know, like, raise it and shoot him. Instead, kill move number three, baby. Oh <laughs> Blast boy. that dude right in the face and then run over to join the marshal. Mm-hmm. Marshall is still the manliest man in this game. Mm -hmm. You gotta love him. Yeah. He's a truly fine specimen. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, after you clean house in the fort, uh, we don't find Bill yet, and we hear a distressed Dickens knocking on the door, saying, Let me in! Please, let me in! So, we go see what's wrong with Dickens, because there's always something wrong with Dickens. And it turns out, though, uh, there's a bunch of reinforcements coming over from over the hills, over towards Fort Mercer. And so we get ourselves back onto the Gatling gun, and uh, I think it's Eli that says it. He uh, He's not that good at math. He says, there must be a hundred of them coming this way. And in total, with all the reinforcements, there's the most, like, what, 20? Something like that. Definitely not a hundred. But um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but yeah, so we end up on uh, another Gatling gun uh, sequence where there's some guys rushing towards that gate into Fort Mercer, and we're just mowing them down like it's nothing. And this time though, they got some horses, um, and eventually they start pulling up some wagons, and these guys have Gatling guns of their own. So, I, the first time I saw that, I was just like, oh, shit, that's not good. I, I might need that medicine now. But <laughs> thankfully, they have something explosive in those, uh, in those wagons that they got those Gatling guns in because you just put a few shots into them, and they just explode into this giant fireball. And I was very confused when this happened because I didn't see any TNT yeah. or anything. They just poof into a ball of flame. Yeah, I was confused about that too because I had a couple bits where I would actually shoot people off the gun and that were um, riding with the horses, and I'd I'd leave the Gatling gun alone, and I would mow the people, and then randomly the Gatling gun would explode, and I was like, <laughs> "What?" And I was just like, "Where? How?" I didn't even shoot at it. Beautiful. Maybe, maybe the other people, maybe like Marshall and everybody else. Uh, yeah, maybe they that. shot it with a stray bullet or something. But uh, I was going to say, well, you think that's strange, but um, what you didn't realize, because you dispatched them so quickly and your allies dispatched them so quickly, those weren't actually Gatling guns in the really? way that we traditionally think of them. No, no, they were, um, they were cannons for TNT, so that's... Really? See, that was the whole uh, gag. They they thought they were going to outgun you with their cannons that they load TNT into, and instead they forgot the fatal flaw that, you know, if you shoot the TNT, it blows them up. So. Mm. I know there was at least one Gatling gun in there, though, because I remember <laughs> uh, coming from the left side, 
there was a wagon with a guy in the back that was just shooting it like a machine gun, so it had to have been a Gatling gun, because there's no gun in that game that shoots that fast and has that many bullets mm -hmm. to it. But, uh, yeah, um, the cannon thing may be, because I did kill one of them pretty quick, so that could have been it. Chris. Hmm? What? You know I'm bullshitting, right? Really? You know what? I would not fucking doubt if they put in a TNT cannon. <laughs> I shit you not, I would not doubt it if there was something like that that they put in this game. Yeah. Well, I'd be fucking dope I if they did. <laughs> but yeah. They got you, matey. Oh. He's doing I, it. I thought he was starting to say something more. But, <laughs> but no. See... Jake, now, now you made me disappointed in this whole thing, because imagine how much more fun it would be with TNT cannons. <laughs> like, holy shit, give me one of those. I want to shoot a TNT cannon. This is true. That would be great. Oh, my God. I'm well, just sitting here disappointed. Dang. Did you say that you probably killed and murdered everybody there? Because that section is just a repeat of the beginning, and it's just fun to mow down people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you just kind of slaughter them all, and uh, we find out that amongst all the uh, corpses that Bill Williamson isn't there. So there's one survivor left in the fort that the deputy, deputy um, and, well, that the marshal and some of his men uh, end up capturing and they interrogate him for a little bit, and we find out that Bill has already run down to Mexico, and he is uh, met up with a man named Javier Escuela. Oh, no, not Javier School. Mm-hmm. Javier Escuela. Um, so, Marston is understandably pissed off because he did all this for nothing, essentially. Uh, the marshal's pretty happy just because he got rid of the gang in his territory, so he doesn't have to deal <laughs> yeah. with that bullshit anymore. Yeah, he's just like, well, at least they're Six. gone. Sorry, Marston. Yes, your journey continues, but mm -hmm. um, we'll see you never. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> um, Dickens takes his leave, and he's just like, fuck you, Marston. But in a very polite way, so that he doesn't get himself shot. Does he? Does he diss Marson? I don't it, think so. It seemed like it to me, honestly. He's overly nice to him, to me, eager to get it away. Seemed like, it to me, it was more like a sleazy deal. He was like, oh, it's good doing business with you. And by business, I mean just using you so I could get money. Let's do that again <laughs> sometimes. Um, and uh, Irish is... I, I, actually, hold on. What happened to Seth? Missed... I do not remember what happened Seth to Seth. Seth just chilled in on top of the door of yeah. the gates. <laughs> he just chilled the entire time. On the... That's all he did. Mm -hmm. So, he yeah, Irish holiday. is the only one out of the entire posse to actually be helpful after this. And he offers to uh, get uh, Marston a ferry down to uh, Mexico so he can go to the town of Chuparosa. And, yeah, so I feel like that ends the first half of this game, actually. You know, you, know, you mentioned that Irish is the only one that decides to help. I'd like to say it's the only time Irish ever decides to help. 
Exactly. I was like, exactly. It's <laughs> actually, you know, you kind of skipped over, but it was kind of a funny little scene. But you know, as everything wraps up, you know, Irish comes running through the front door and just like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did I, did, have I missed it? I knew where my gun and ready to shoot. <laughs> and I'm just like, bruh. Okay, Irish. Ah, shucks. Ah, you missed it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I'll get you a fairy. I'll make it up to you. I'll do something. Yeah, and it's it's him that makes that jump when uh, when Marston realizes that uh, they they had gotten this information about where Bill was going from one of Bill's surviving cronies that the marshals had uh, grabbed. And he was like, he said something about how he went to go see some Mexican. And Marston kind of intuited that it must have been this guy, Javier Escuela. So apparently they have some sort of past together. Mm -hmm. And then they pieced together that it had to be in Mexico. And it was Irish who said it was probably in uh, where? Where Chuparosa. Chuparosa. Yeah. So it was kind of at that moment that (laughs) he and Marston smelled the same bone, and Marston was like, oh, since you didn't help with fucking shit, you owe me one, and apparently you know where I need to go. Uh, Okay. I I thought it was the the goon guy who gave up the location. From what I I remember, it was like, exactly like you said, you know, um, he says, oh, he went to go see some Mexican, and then, you know, Marston's just basically, like, instantly knows, because, you know, him and Bill Williamson used to ride together, so he kind of figured where he went. He's just like, oh, he went to probably go see Javier Escuela. This is going to make things interesting. Like, where did he take him? And, you know, and then the guy lets it out, Chuba Rosa, and then, again, it dawns on uh, Marston, he's just like, oh, of all places, Chuba Rosa. All right. I, I do like the little little bit that Irish does add onto it where he where he offers the ferry ride and he says, I'm quite popular over there. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I wonder why you're popular over there, Irish. Yes, I would like to see. But yeah, kind of like how Chris says, I mean, after the assault on Fort Mercer, you know, the, the big plan, the big grand scheme that, you know, Marston has been planning since the beginning of the game when we first... Got our feet onto Armadillo. We don't find Bill Williamson. Yeah. I think, I think we ushered into the first half of the game. Or is it like the quarter? It's probably more of like the first third, I would assume. Yeah, because third third. Uh, sounds yeah. correct, yeah. We definitely all know where it kind of enters like the last third, maybe the last fourth. So I'd say this is probably the first third. Mm-hmm. It, it could probably be split into like three acts. I'm sure this is officially somewhere. Like they they probably have this shit broken down into acts. But if I had to assume, this would be the end of the first act, act one. and I yeah. think yeah. it's probably three. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cue in the outro song. Yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. So this concludes this week's episode and uh, we hope you enjoyed it we hope you enjoyed kind of seeing the end mm-hmm. of Marston's arc with his friends in Armadillo and mm-hmm. hope you're interested in pursuing their or <laughs> not really their but Marston's 
pursuits of his old running mate not running mate just <laughs> heist <laughs> partner because they weren't in politics um, into Mexico uh, yeah just uh, join us next time guess that's it love you yeah see you next time guys next time we see you we're gonna be in Mexico 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 bye guys we love all y'all thanks for watching or listening (laughs) maybe watching that uh, that art we got on the front page thanks for watching (laughs) watching a still image yes two hours almost two hours but mostly thanks for listening. Corazón, Gracias. A Mexico. That would be fun. All I know is the first thing I'm gonna say. The first thing I'm gonna do when we get to Chupalosa is change to a bar and have myself a tequila. I'm gonna see how shit I can get to John Marston. Gonna get some salt and some lime. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. Goodbye song. Goodbye song. I'm right. I'm gonna do Spanish. We could just chant goodbye song. Goodbye song. Goodbye song. Goodbye song. Goodbye song. Goodbye song. Hasta luego. Hasta luego. I wish I was that good at Spanish. My Spanish is pretty subpar, honestly. Oh man, then what's mine? Minuscule. Oh no.